Fellow tennis nerds, uh, today I'm doing a bit of an emergency podcast where there's no emergency really. Uh, Henrik and I just thought it would be good to talk about new blades and new rackets and that he's actually stringing for the Swedish Davis Cup team for their tie in Helsingborg this weekend. So how is it going, Henrik? It's going pretty good. Um, it's pretty relaxed now in the beginning of the week. It's more uh, more more string jobs uh, when it's a match day. So we have match Friday and Saturday, and then you have a lot of rackets to do. But now in the beginning of the week, it's not that much to do. Um, just helping around with around the team and stuff like that. So it's it's pretty cool days. Yeah, so uh, what kind of rackets are you experiencing? Is it a lot of 1820s or is it okay, you know, in terms of, of stringing? I think everyone has um, everyone has 1619 or 1620. Two players use the um, Pure Aero 98. Um, one has a Prestige Pro Stock 1619. Yeah, it's one eighteen. Andre Jaronsson has a radical Pro Stock eighteen twenty. So, but it's pretty pretty easy to stream with the Hyper G Soft. So, it's not uh, not that. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty okay. Yeah, it's good. I mean, you need to have an easy time as a stringer as well. Otherwise, like you do, usually get very stressed during the the ties. I mean, this is your third or fourth tie. I think you're doing right. I think it's the seventh or something like that. Oh, okay. So uh, it, it's. Um, the match dates are could be pretty hectical. There is um, could be some rush uh, on court string jobs. Uh, the temperature in the arena is quite different when it's uh, packed with the crowd. Uh, so there could be some on court uh, rush string jobs. Um, maybe you have like fifteen rackets one day. So it's it's not that much. It's a couple of hours work. So not too bad compared to the Grand Slam stringers that could do like thirty to sometimes forty rackets each day. So then your fingers are bleeding. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a, it's not easy. I mean, they really have to put in the hours, like, and they're there like all day, you know, until late in the evening, you know. And hopefully, you have a little bit more free time in Helsingborg. Uh, so, what do you think of the tie? You are um, are you favorites, or what's this the situation ahead of this match? If you're looking at the rankings, we are the underdogs. They have um, now their number one player, Thiago Sebotvil, Wild or something, and he didn't come, so. They have um, Medellin Alves and uh, Thiago Monteiro. And then they have the world number one. Um, I actually don't remember his name now, but Fonseca or something like that. He's re looking really good as well. And they have uh, Martos, the doubles player. So um, they have a good, good strong team. Uh, but I think with the home court advantage that we could, um, I think we can cause the upset, actually. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have to believe in it. And uh, also, you uh, they, they created a court there. I heard Elias talk about it on the Swedish Tennis Federation, that they, they tried to kind of mimic the court from Bologna, right? And yeah. that was the idea. So it's, a, place... it's, a, it's a low bouncing court um, uh, with... Um, uh, it's, it's painted on wood, uh, wood sheet of woods. Um, so the bounce is pretty low, but it's still pretty slow pace on the court so low bouncing slow pace and it's very similar to the conditions in Bologna not the match court because that was lightning fast but the practice courts in Bologna are very similar to this one yeah I can imagine yeah yeah so I mean I, from Elias it said he said it was a bit slower than they had planned but he, he really liked the court the way it played right 
Yeah, it look it looks good when they are playing on it. So um, yeah, I think it could be to our advantage. The Brazilian guys, I think, would like a bit more high bouncing court. So I think for us, this is much better. Last time we talked about rackets. I mean, there's huge racket season. Now you've received like the new blades, 198. You received the speed and some other rackets as well. Uh, what's what's kind of your favorite at the moment, and and what do you think about the new blades? The new blades are really good. I mean, the first the paint job is uh, spectacular. But when you see it live, it's it's just amazing. It's uh, it looks really, really, really good. Um, I got the the 100 1619. I got the 98 1820 and 1619. I got the 100 light and uh, the 104. Um, so far, I've tried the 98-16-19 and the 100 because 100 is the racket we have been praising a lot. And um, it's still very, very good. Um, the swing weight of that one was pretty low. It was 315 strong. The V8 was like 325 strong. So I added some lead to duplicate the old V8 spec specs. Um, and the 98-16-19 in the V8 was very, very low swing weight strong. It was 310. On this one, it was 328 or something like that. So they have beefed up the swing weight quite a bit. They have made the flex a little bit. I mean, it's still the same RA. It's still the same flex, but it feels a bit more firm. So you have a tad more power. It, it, it feels better. It feels more... Um, how should I say it in a good way? Um, the V8 was too flimsy. It was not solid enough. Uh, the V9 is more solid. It's more. It feels a bit more like a pro stock racket, sort of. Um, the V, uh, the the 100 needed some more lead though. It was pretty light in stock version. The swing weight was too light, so uh, it needed some lead. Um, so I've been trying those two rackets. Um, the 1820 I will try next, and also the the 104 and the 100 lights. Um, but they are grip one, unfortunately. So it will be difficult to give them a, a real like a review because the grips are just too small. It's it's child sizes on those grips. But it yeah, you will get a feel for the racket. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, not overall... to play your best tennis when the grip is off. You know, like that's that's not really. Can you do a, like a shrink sleeve or something? Obviously, we'll add a lot of weight to it. Yeah, to the 104, I think a shrink, shrink sleeve would work because it adds maybe 15 grams or something like that. So I think that could be pretty good. And then I use two overgrips. So I think that will work. But I will try it stock first and see how, how it is. It looks uh, really good. And I know you talked uh, about the good... Uh, former future player that used the 104 and I know uh, a guy from my German team in in Germany Eintracht Frankfurt a very good player uh, their number one or two player he actually uses the 104 as well uh, so it's a good racket it's a low flex very comfortable for the arm and pretty dense string packing though so the 104 is um, a very much underrated racket uh, I think that would work for a lot of players actually yeah, it's a sleeper racket. Like Sergio, who I uh, we talked about, like he played, he was ATP 300, you know, uh, some years back, and uh, quite a few years back. But but he loves that racket. He's been playing with it for a long time, and uh, and he plays really well with it. Like it works for his level. He can play against strong futures players and stuff, and train with them, and and 
the the blade it has, it has some weight at three and nine, but it does perform really well. Like even so, I think you have, some players just think that you need to play with the ninety eight and have a lot of control, but it's it's not needed. You know, you can actually play uh, good tennis with a bigger head size, lighter racket. You know. Absolutely, and um, the older you get, the more help you need, as we have talked about a lot in the past, and we will talk about it now and in the future as well. Um, a lot of players uh, overestimate their uh, uh, capacity and their ability to play good tennis. And uh, I mean, if you are just striking the ball standing still, every racket will, even a prestige 600, will work good for you. But during a match situation, you are under pressure in the corners or you're starting to be tired after maybe 45 minutes to one hour. That's when you really need the extra boost and help you get from a bigger hitting surface. So, yeah. What did you think about the, the new speed? That's also been an experience for you that you've been able to try, like the new Oxetic 2.0 MP. Uh, it's been, I just have to see if there is something going on with the lights here. So just hang on one second and make a cut and I have to, Fix the light. Yeah, yeah, no worries. <laughs> it's uh, motion sensors here, so I'm too still. I'm even if I'm big, they don't see me here. So yeah, the new speed, uh, extremely positive about the first. I, 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 I did not try actually the Oxetic 1.0 version, so I cannot compare the 2.0 and 1.0. But I'm, I'm extremely pleased with the. Oxetic 2.0. I mean, if you compare it to, for example, the the Pure Strike that we praised so much, the the 100 and the 11620, they feel seriously like a toy compared to the Blade 100 or the the Speed MP. Uh, both the Speed MP and the uh, the Blade, they are so much more solid compared to the Bubblots, and they get you get more plow plow through with the ball. Um, they they create a heavier ball and they feel more solid, so to say. And so they are a really good, really good update. Um, yeah, it's a racket I could easily start to play with straight away. Um, I've only been playing with the speed for like two hours, maybe. Um, so I maybe it's honeymoon phase. And uh, but so far it's it's a really really good racket. And also the Blade 100 is, I mean, that's a racket I could switch to. And I have been using it in the past. So it depends on what kind of price I can buy them for pretty much. So it's a racket I could easily switch to. Um, and the the Speed MP as well. Uh, the Strike 100 1620 is off the list. It felt pretty good when I was just hitting with it. But every opponent that I was using it against said that uh, they got easy light balls from me. It was no depth, it was no pace, it was no power, no... Yeah, they could do pretty much what they wanted with it. Um, it didn't generate e enough pace, not enough spin. And so it's a, it's a comfortable racket if you don't play like competitive, I would say. Or at least not for my type of game. So um, it's important to listen to your opponent as well and see what they have to say about your shots, not just going by how it feels when uh, from your side, you have to listen to your opponents as well. 100% agree. I think this is important feedback that you get that is like, if you don't feel it yourself, sometimes you feel it, you know, if you play with a very flexible racket, sometimes you feel like the energy of the ball 
gets lost in the string bed. Like it stays so long in the string bed and it doesn't really give back the, the energy you want. Uh, I've also gone like on a journey where I'm starting to prefer stiffer rackets because I want that extra energy, at least in terms of like what the feedback they give to the ball. Uh, and yeah. if your opponent, if you're noticing that your opponent can step in a lot more maybe than they're used to, if there's someone you're playing with uh, regularly or someone you play with quite a lot, then you know maybe, okay, this racket is not giving me on my shot. You know, it could be a good racket for uh, someone else, but it's like, not going to give me enough to be a dangerous, you know. And that's yeah. one of the more important things when you look for a racket, that you, can, you feel like your opponent is getting pushed a bit as well. And you feel like you can use the racket to get some advantage in the rally, no matter what level you're playing on, really. Yeah. For example, when I was using the uh, the Strike 98, 16 I got much more penetration of the ball. Um, even if that racket is too difficult for me, uh, I got much better result with it compared to the, um, the Strike 100 in a match situation. So... Um, uh, it's really important to try some different rackets and not only try them for like one hour, but try them. Try to actually try them in a real match or a league match or something like that because it's to totally different sports when you are playing a league match uh, or just playing a practice. So you have to like have something at stake when you are trying a racket, and then you will see if it really fits you or not. Yeah, 100% agree. I think that's um, one of the key things. That That's painful. Like, sometimes I do that. I mean, I bring, like, three, four rackets, and you're the same. Uh, we talk about it in laugh, like, that you bring four or five rackets to a match. That is of some importance. It's not completely point. It's not a training match. It's actually a competitive match. Uh, and, and you go, and you're like, okay, first set was this. I tried two rackets. Then the second set, I did this. And you're learning a lot from it. But it can be, hurt, you know, it can hurt your game, of course, that you're crazy in bringing, like, so many rackets. But it's the best way to understand how the racket works for you. Uh, although you might lead to a loss that you might not expect, but in the end you will know, okay, this racket hurt me in this kind of situation where I need, where I couldn't step on the gas or where I couldn't defend enough, you know, something like that. Yeah, it's, um, it would have been nice to try the, 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 the strike rackets a bit more. Uh, I unfortunately had to send uh, all rackets back to Babala and the bag as well. So I cannot use them or try them anymore, and with different setups, with different strings, like etc. Uh, but um, yeah, um, it's it's also difficult for persons that don't get like uh, sample rackets uh, to try with different strings, and if it's a bad string, they could lose the interest in that racket. So string jobs is also very important. Yeah. No, and also when you're testing, you need time, right? So if you're, for example. Uh, having to send stuff back within a certain number of weeks or whatever, it, it doesn't give you time maybe to experiment with different strings, maybe adding some weight, giving the racket like a more full-blown review. Sometimes a racket um, improves over time or feels better after like a month, you know? Uh, so that's the issue when you only when you have to send them back like pretty quickly and then it becomes like not a proper 100% test. Uh, where I feel like if I, I, I tend to bring the rackets along and give it to other people to test for like weeks you know i try to okay here you yeah. you try it uh, see with this string see with this that's the way only way i feel like i can really understand how this affects not only me but also other players you know yeah it's it's really important to then if you have to send them back straight away or after just a couple of weeks then there will only be like a first look or unboxing reviews and not the real proper long time review um so yeah it's uh, it's a not that good, but uh, I think that's 
uh, future we have to get used to, unfortunately. So um, it will be difficult to do uh, full long time reviews of rackets in the future. But yeah, uh, that's how life is these days. Yeah, I guess it depends on, on the company as well. Like if the company is um, is willing to actually invest a little bit in getting a good review or like a, at least a detailed review, uh, they, they should be able to afford like sending a few demos and, and you know, leaving them there, uh, hopefully. Uh, so I, I think that is the better approach. And I know most brands do that, not all of them, but most brands like, okay, you know, keep the rackets, keep testing them, keep seeing what happens. Uh, especially if you're like a serious reviewer and you're just not like, you know, someone who's, who's tests it in five minutes and then puts it back in the bag. So I think that's, that's the real approach. If I had a racket company, I would be happily investing, you know, the production cost of certain rackets to, to get them out to the right people to test it. So I get also valuable feedback because I think the only way to get your products better, you know, is to really get the feedback and, and evaluate that. And uh, like now we're testing prototype strings for a new brand. Me and Nikki tried it yesterday and, and we really want to like, okay, so we tested one racket, we, we have matched rackets, then we tested with this tension. So you really have to give it time, you know, and otherwise the opinion is not going to be, we can, as testers have been around for many years, we can kind of get a pretty good strong feeling after two hours, but uh, you still will get a better idea with the more time, like with everything. You know? And then the time investment is, is also money, like you're putting a lot of time into the testing. So that should be hopefully be appreciated by the companies you'd think. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. All right. So you're excited. So what strings have you been testing, by the way? Are you like in the blades? Is this all the power? Or are you going with your regular tour bites and stuff like that? Uh, when I tried the racket the first time, I always use my trusted tour bites, 125. It's, um, that's my go-to string these days. I love that string. Keeps tension very well, elasticity very well. It, it performs over a really long span of time. But I also tried some uh, Laxalon ALU Power Ocean Blue. Uh, that's also a very good string. I like that a lot. Uh, I tried the Element Soft as well. A bit too soft for me and my likings. 4G Bronze or something. I don't remember yeah. the name yeah. exactly. Yeah. And uh, that felt better than uh, the yellow version. I think it, it felt more... Um, you got a better response. It felt a little bit softer than the the, the yellow version. Um, could be just um, imaginary, but I think it felt a bit better. We tried them in the strike rackets. Yep, um, I like them. Yeah, it's a good string. Yeah, that's the strings I've been uh, trying um, lately. I also tried the E-Zone, the um, Aqua Knight version, I think it is. Mm. Yeah, the E-Zones, they are really, really good. I mean, for a Petition player, the 98 is one of the best rackets out there. It's so fast in the swing. You get good power, good spin, good control. It's a really complete racket. The 100 version is, um, I think that works better on clay because it feels not clumsy, but it's um, it's demanding to swing, take full swings of it uh, and not overheat. You have to maybe up the tension a bit. Uh, I used in that racket, I used the... Um, the strike and the polytor strike and um, uh, polytor spin uh, strength mm -hmm. and that was a good combo now henrik needs to fix the light ah, there we go sorry yeah it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a good combo it's a good combo um the the polytor strike that's a very it's a firmer string i think it's it's really good control string 
and um, Polytor Spin, that's also a very aggressive string. Um, it's just too bad that they don't have it in the pink version anymore because that was really soft and nice. The black version of the Polytor Spin, it's much, much firmer, much harder. Not at all the same uh, feeling as in the pink version. I have not tried the blue version yet though. Maybe that's a bit more soft than the black version. It, the black versions always tend to be the hardest, the most firm version. And I think it's just from the coloration, the pigments in the color um, in the string that makes black strings more firm, actually. Yeah, we discussed that in the video that's uh, maybe out by the time you were watching this, but it's like me and Nikki yesterday, where the, the companies on purpose did something to the coloring of like the, the additives of the strings so that, you know, darker strings are more controlled. Because in your head, that would be logical. Like, okay, why is a, a lime green string more lively? You know, is it nature or is it something that the companies manufacture to make it like obvious that it's the case? You know, it's something we discussed. I'm not sure what's the real science, but it was an interesting thing to think about because you, 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 it would be like scientifically, I don't exactly understand how that works. Like if you put a yellow additive, while that would be livelier than a dark one, then maybe, yeah, maybe there's some logical reasoning behind it. I've been also trying a couple of new shoes, the Eclipse 5 from Yonex really really good shoe um it's a stability shoe but very good comfort for being a stability shoe um it fits my foot even if i have a wider foot it fits my foot very good it feels like a very high quality shoe now i don't have it with me so i cannot show you but uh, uh, the build quality of the onyx shoes is really really good uh, normally in the past they have been a bit too tight uh, for me and my foot type uh, but this one, Eclipse and Five, was really it. It was really good on uh, on my foot. It locked in the foot very well and um, very supportive. Um, a little bit more like a running shoe feel, but still very supportive. And same goes with the other shoes that I've been trying. The GP GP. I have it on me. What is it called? Challenge. Uh, GP challenge. Challenge. Yeah. Challenge. Yep. Yeah. Challenge one. Uh, and that is really, 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 I don't want to take it off. It's like a sneaker, uh, very soft in the forefoot. And uh, even for my wide foot, it's really, really nice. The cushioning in the Zoom Air units, both in the back and the front of the shoe, is, is really, really good. And uh, my foot gets locked in and it's very supportive. And it's it's one of the best shoes that I ever tried. And it's it could be um replacement for my uh, soul court boost from adidas now when i can't wow. uh, find it anymore so um this this shoe um it's the best shoe i've been trying in many years i still haven't got the solutions the asics solution speed 3 i think it's called the new one yeah. they also say that that is very much feels like a running shoe very soft um but i have not tried it yet i have not got it so it's nice to try some shoes as well um and it's uh, for me and my weight with over 100 kilos it's really important to have a good solid shoe with good cushioning so it, it's difficult to find a good mix of cushioning and support but i think the the nike shoe is spot on in that category so it will be really interesting to give it a long-term review later. Now I only got the clay version because that was the only thing available in my size. Um, but it still works. I mean, it, it works on hardcore, but it will be interesting to try the the real hardcore version uh, when I 
hopefully get it later. So, but uh, so far, um, really, really good shoes, both from Yonex and Nike. Yeah, I, I must say, like the the clips in four, I haven't tried a five. I must give credit to Yonex as usual for like doing a very different mold. Like the five is very different from the four by the looks of it and what I read. Uh, I, I love the four. I think it's great. If the five might be even better, I don't know. Um, the Nike issue, I, I really love how it feels when you walk around and like you can go to the supermarket, you can go for a long walk. It's it's one of the comfiest shoes off the court. On the clay, I felt like it, my foot was moving around a bit too much. It wasn't, there wasn't enough stability for my liking, maybe. I would try it more. Uh, but it could be like a goat shoe or it could be something that works better off the court than on the court. So I'm not 100% sure um, whether that's going to work so well for me on the court. I've also tried the new Adidas Barricade 13. Have you tried those? Uh, I've tried the... Um, 13 is the latest version, right? Uh, that yeah. came out like, a couple of months ago. No, I tried the... Was it like 12 and a half or something like that when they replaced the Adidas writing with the Three Stripes logo? Is That was like a middle update or something, like a minor facelift. Yeah, face I tried lift, that yeah. one, but it's it was... The sizing of the Adidas is way off, so... And they were a bit too small for me. But I mean, the barricade is also a top shoe. Um, and with the correct sizing, it's a really good shoe as well. Shoe that I could play with. But the sizing is, as I said, you need to go up like a full size in Adidas these days. Strangely, or is this just my foot that is strangely built or something? But Adidas barricade is also a very good shoe. Yeah, I like that shoe. I think they improved the comfort a lot. Because I, I, I felt like with the shoe... I mean, we were we were on this play tennis warehouse of uh, I think it was was it twelve when it brought it yeah. back, you know, just before the facelift, and uh, it was a good shoe. I felt like it was a little bit too stiff, you know. It took I mean, it always takes a long time with the barricades. They are very like thick rubber and strong rubber, uh, but it it was you know not my favorite shoe. I know I have friends who love that shoe, uh, but this one was pretty much a clear improvement on my foot at least. I felt pretty comfortable. It still requires some breaking, but it felt like better uh, in terms of that. But but I. Like you, uh, I think many players struggle with the sizing of different tennis shoes. Like some shoes are long, some are wide, some are off size a bit. It feels like it's like 42.5 is the right one or 44.5, depending on your size. So it's like it's too much variance in the shoe industry. I felt yeah. like it would be better somehow if you could have a more clear definition of the sizing because it's very tricky to find a shoe right for your foot. It's one of the complications, I would say. Yeah, I don't. I actually don't understand. For example, in the Yonex, I have forty-five point five, and in Adidas, uh, and the forty-five point five in Yonex is is it works for me. That's okay size, and in Adidas, the forty-six point uh, forty-six and two-third is too small for me. And I mean, that's very strange. It's more than the size difference. The Adidas should be bigger, but it's it's not. So I don't understand how shoe manufacturers are. Yeah, they need to find some kind of, I mean, even if they can force Apple to have um, the USB-C cables, I mean, they could force the shoe companies to have some kind of uh, standard uh, sizing. That, like yeah. the 12 is uh, 30.2 centimeters or something like that. That is similar or same for everyone. There should be some standardization generally, like, okay, this is the measurement we do. This is what we use. You know, it's uh, it's the same with like, well, not the same, but it's quite different. But it's with the strings, like instead of having 17L and the 16, that uh, strange system, 
just do the millimeters. Like, I, I'm sorry, Americans, but please just do the millimeters. Like, I don't understand this 17L, 16L. It makes no sense to me whatsoever, this no. gauge thing, right? So, and it makes, it's confusing because you, um, we're going to give like the, the gauge of a string. Uh, if you're used to the, the gauge, like the 16 gauge system, it's so strange. I mean, it gets quite confusing for customers. So, it's much easier. Everybody speaks the same kind of metric language, at least, you know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, 123 or 125 or 127, it's much easier and much more exact. So, yeah, go Europe. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry about that, guys. Um, yeah, so, and also my list coming, your favorite brand, Dunlop. Uh, I will test the, the new Dunlop CX rackets, so control rackets. Uh, CX400, CX200, I will test. So, we'll see how those play. Uh, probably to them. The 400 it was a good one before for me. Uh, but the 200 might be too demanding if it's too much close to a blade, you know. So I'm I'm, tr I'm trying to look for for power as well, like a bit more power. I do like the new Novas uh, review was out already, uh, and I did play with the ISO 98 as you said the other day, uh, and that's a great frame. Like the ISO 98, what Nick is using, I I really like it as well. Uh, minor customization and it's like 330 swing weight, and it still plays fast, you know. It still plays fast through the air, which is really. Good. What did you think of the Aqua Knight? Was it an improvement? I haven't seen that yet. I'm waiting for that as well to see the Aqua Knight. Uh, the design is uh, really good. I mean, I used the uh, V Core uh, with the black uh, design a couple Galaxy of years ago, black. and I yeah, I love the black version. Uh, so this is a big. I mean, the old Eson was not ugly or anything, but I love the blacker, blackish design. It's not fully black, but it's um, going in the black category. And uh, I love the design. Um, it looks really good, really cool live. So it's a good cosmetic update, but I mean, it's still exactly the same racket. I think there is no difference at all, uh, apart from the paint job. So it's still the same E-Zone. And um, I understand why they have not updated it because it's they don't need to. It's a really good racket. One of the best 100 rackets out there. If you're like more a grinding style of player, if you're a flat hitter, uh, the 98 is much better, much faster to swing, much more control. Um, but on clay, I think there is uh, there are few rackets that um, fits clay better than the Eson 100. Um, I think it needs some lead um, to make it a little bit more stable at three and nine. But apart from that, it's uh, it's ready to go. So it's a really yeah. good update. Dunlop, I, I have tried. I have no contact with Dunlop, unfortunately. Uh, I have not got the the Nova, the new version of the Novas um, as well. So that I think that is a racket. I like the older Novas, but it would be nice to try them as well. The ADM makes really good rackets these days, and they are very well built with the foam feeling and stuff like that. So, and the design looks really cool as well. The black design. Yeah, they show that you can bring a new product, a new brand, like they're relatively new on the market. I don't know how many years they've been around, but not that many. Uh, that you can actually make a good quality product, both strings and rackets, you know, uh, that can compete. Like I would say this is kind of like a pure driving feel, maybe a little bit less power, but but better comfort. And I think that's what a lot of people like. They want to have a pure drive with less, tad less power and better comfort. I think so. Uh, they, they nail that kind of uh, audience, I think, really well. Uh, so yeah. interesting to see how they keep keep performing. Yeah, and I saw both you and I think it was Carl Adrian who made the review. Yeah, uh, you played very well with the rackets, both of you. Um, 
and um, yeah it would be really interesting to try that one it's fun with the smaller brands um they are pretty keen on sending out test frames as well uh, spreading their brand because they don't have any top players that are uh, sponsored by them i saw by the way that uh, was it marius kopil the romanian guy was sponsored by diadem now playing with yep. the elevate so that's um, i think that's pretty much the first uh, like somewhat big name that are using the diadem rackets i think yeah probably more to come they seem to have a good uh, strategy i mean i, I the, the, the nature of tennis is that you need to have players on the highest level playing with them i mean he i don't know how his ranking but he should be in top 200 i mean he used to play top 50 i think or top 100 at least. yeah yeah uh, uh, and he's a big guy with a strong serving and nice game i think he has a one-handed back if i don't remember yeah, it's, it's a bit like a yeah. Yubic, no yeah, somewhat like that. He plays really, he has a big game, really big game. Yeah. That's fun to watch. Uh, so it's yeah. good that they are doing it because if you don't put your brand in the hands of the strong players, it's it's not going to be seen enough. Sadly, I mean, it's tough to make up for that, that you have to have some players. You know? Yeah. Now I have to take a break and uh, go feed some balls to the Swedish doubles team, actually. We are using two courts now, so I have to be a standing ball feeder and hit some serves to them. So... We'll take a break and uh, we'll be back later this afternoon. That's good, man. Thanks a lot. Uh, thanks for Thank being you. a part of it. And good luck with feeding the guys and good luck to Team Sweden now in uh, Heads of Board. Thank you. See you soon. Henrik is back now from uh, actually hitting some balls with the Davis Cup team. So how was that? It was really cool. I mean, it's uh, I could pay to be on the same court as uh, the Davis Cup players. So... Uh, I was helping them feeding some balls um, and returning some serves when they were in the doubles position. So they were hitting and I was just, my mission was just to return the ball. So they had, of course, say in what corner they were going to serve because they hit 220 kilometer serves. So, but it's, it's great fun. I mean, it's like a dream coming true playing with professional players. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's it's a whole different vibe. I mean, we there was this famous thing I talked about that with Nicola a few times on the podcast, is where uh, in America they did this survey, like how many people think they could win points against ATP players, and people who are like fifty plus years old, probably not in the best of shape, think that they can take like a game or a bunch of points against an ATP pro. You know, and I, I find that like they they have no understanding of how the different levels of tennis works. You know, it's like. It's very funny. Have you seen that? Or? No, I have not seen that. But I mean, I'm I'm like a decent amateur player, and when you are example, very, very good amateur Bayevi, player, I would say. When, for example, Filip Bayevi serving, he hits yeah, 220, 230 kilometer serves. He can ace me at almost every serve. I mean, I have to gamble and take one corner. I I have to take a gamble and go to the backhand. Otherwise, yeah. he will just ace me. If, if I'm covering out one corner, it's just slicing it out in the other. And, and I mean, there are he, he serves really good, though. But, I mean, against first just getting the serve back and then playing points. I mean, the pros are the difference in level between amateurs and pros. It's huge. It's, it's very difficult to actually understand how big of a difference it is. So, um, yeah, I'm fortunate to be able to be on the same court sometimes. And, I mean, even if it's just like feeding balls, you learn when you're looking at them 
at close range and see how they act and react and yeah, it's really cool it's an eye-opener that maybe I'm not ready for the ATP tour at age of 46 yeah no and it's it's funny like some people who are close to 60 think that they will get ATP points and I think the more you play or you hit with these type of players who are so good you know you know that that's it's fine not to even aspire to that because it's a whole different like you need to hit millions of tennis balls like it's not something that a normal person with a normal job or a normal life can even aspire to like you need that's a pro life it's it's like with everything you have to, to be a pro you have to be a pro you have to devi- devote a lot of time to it you know it, it's not about like just practicing a bit and here we go you know it's like that uh, i also play with some guys like within to- 200 and just getting the serve back, like it's 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 like a penalty shootout, you know. If you're so happy to get one back in the court, and then they hit like a forehand winner in the corner, and then you're like, okay, next next ball. <laughs> it's like it's it's funny. Huh? Yeah, they are so good. They are they are amazing athletes. Uh, each and every one of them, even a player ranked top one thousand in the world, is amazing athlete. And I, I mean, I don't understand how good they are actually. So it's the the lower ranked players they get way too little credibility for how good they are as well um and uh, yeah they are top athletes each and every one yeah and it's, it's also tough with the money right so it's like you you to, to play on that level and not to be able to make a living it's tough like compared to football like if you're like at 2000 in the world in football you're you're earning a lot of money right you're you're living a good life in some league uh somewhere so it, it's tennis is different you have to grind like crazy and to reach top 200 then you're not even sure then it's going to be financially good so it's not the easiest lifestyle but you do it because you love tennis hopefully so that's uh hopefully we can fix that somehow as a tennis community yeah would be really nice uh football players ice hockey players they even yeah as you said the 2000 best football player soccer player he makes a really good living that he can live off for the rest of his life. And the 2,000 ranked tennis players, uh, I mean, he cannot survive on his income on tennis. No way. He goes like minus several hundred thousand euros during a career if they were to continue the same path. Uh, so it's it's really difficult for tennis players to make a living. Yeah, 100%. If we get back to our own uh, less good tennis, um, what's what's in your um, path now as a racket? Like, do you, have you made up your mind about I'm gonna start try to play with this racket, or you're in some process, or or how do, long do you usually have a racket for <laughs> before you switch, like me? Um, <laughs> now I have to be honest with you. Um, I like to try a lot of different rackets and I have a really difficult time to stick to some rackets. I have though bought a couple of rackets lately that I have been using back and forth the last couple of years and it's the the Candy Cane Radical Tour Oversize. Um, I love that racket. It's uh, I have modified the grip somewhat. It's a TK82S but I've added some extra tape so it's more like a mix of TK82 and TK82S um, and installed new grommets that I got. Um, so they are, I have like seven or eight of them. My wife has three as well. So we have stocked up with those frames and I string them with the, the tour bite. Uh, the swing weight and the specifications are pretty 
all over the place though. The lowest swing weight strong was 317 and the highest is like 343 or something. So the, it's a big difference. So I will try to customize them and get them around 330 strong. Uh, but that's the racket I could play with if I'm, if I'm like must choose a tournament racket. Uh, otherwise I have big hopes for the Wilson Blade 100. Uh, I've also tried um, the speed. I tried it now um, at the Davis Cup uh, practice when I was just feeding balls and hitting some returns. Um, uh, and it's also a really good racket. I think the blade is more suited to my game. The grip shape of the blade I like a bit more. It's like um, yeah, it's uh, I like I like the grip shape of Wilson rackets simply put. Um, and um, yeah, the Blade 100 is really. A really good racket for me and my type of game. I also like the Gravity, um, the Gravity Pro is really good. Some examples has a pretty high swing weight, but I could use that one as well. But I think if I have to choose now, I would say I would go with the Wilson Blade 100. Um, that is a racket I could give some time and try to use in competition. There is also another racket from Head coming in a couple of months that I've got a sample of, um, uh, an update of some kind, and that was really, really good as well. Uh, you know what racket I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like um, that one too. I mean, that, that's a good racket. I think I would prefer yeah. the Pro model, but uh, I, I think it was pretty good racket, you know. My friend yeah. uses the Pro Stock version of that one um, that yeah. he got from his from his player. So uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely something they've, they've done maybe a little bit like they, I think they hasted this model out, but I think it's, they, they did found something good there because it has a very nice yeah. ballpark. Yeah. It's a really good mix of power and spin and control. And uh, I was very pleasant surprised with that racket. Um, a good mix of uh, everything. And so, but we will talk about that in March, I think. Yeah. That's a March thing. Uh, they have another release but... as well. I think towards that time, which is a bit different yeah. from what I heard, but we'll get that later. I actually have some interesting yeah. rackets here where I'll show you. So as I told you, I used to play a bit now with a Steam 100, uh, the BLX with the white grommets. Uh, you see the white grommets, the four grommet strips. This is very good. I like this a lot. Like it, you can hit flat with it and you have a really good, like nice uh, trajectory of the ball. And it's not too spinny. Uh, so the Steam 100, which I, I can understand why it's popular on the WTA Tour. I really like this stick. But uh, now I got sent by Attila, uh, a tennis fellow tennis nerd, a Steam 99. So the same that Deminar uses. And this one, I think I like a bit more even because it's like a 99 feels a little bit more home to me that it's a slightly smaller, but it's not small sweet spot, it's a pretty big sweet spot. But they're quite different. Like you can see in the 99, there has like a indentation in the like up here. I, I guess it's to extend the strings or something. I don't know, but it, it's very different. Uh, but <clears throat> good feeling. Nice racket. Uh, as you can see, the steam beam is quite thick, you know, so it's like a, it's not a blade. All these rackets say blade 98, 16, 19 is very funny, but <laughs> they're, they're all different. But yeah, this one, like, so uh, so the steams, I hope they bring them back in some way because uh, they, they're good sticks, especially the pro stocks. But that's something I could use. I, I could see you also playing with it. And, and Nicky liked the 100 when he hit with it uh, yesterday. So it's really strange. The Everyone you talk to that played with the Steam, they really love it. Uh, I heard no one talk bad about the Steam models, so it's. Um, I would advise Wilson to make like a reissue of that racket, uh, maybe in a better design. The BLX design was not that nice, maybe, 
Um, no, it looks like a like a polka dot thing, you know. It's, it's not yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah. No, they have to. Now nowadays they are much better. I mean, the Blade One Hundred, the Blade overall. I just love the look of that racket. I think when I got it, I sent the video to you just to show yep. the colors, and uh, it's it it looks like one of the best racket designs I've ever seen. It's um, the the chameleon green version eight was so so. I liked it, but not many more liked it. But this version is just um, it's mag magic magic. It's really really nice. I love that color. So um. It yeah, I tried it briefly when this guy Luca was here in Marbella. So I played with the 986019. I took some pictures and stuff like that, which I will post tomorrow. But yeah, it, I, I, I do like the previous one. The only thing I didn't like about this one is that weird grommet thing up in, uh, you know, towards 10 and 2. That's some technology they have. I don't know what it's called exactly. Let's see if I can find it out. But it, it's like, and it, they also have them on the pro stocks that are not this V9, uh, which is smart, but, but that's... Uh, uh, direct connect technology no that's not it 45 no it's not it stable feel no it's not it Ex will appreciate yeah experienced ball strikers will appreciate the new clip and go grommet system i think might be that which not only locks down the bumper but also makes for easier grommet replacement well that's good that's a practical thing maybe that's what it is yeah no, I, no idea um, but you can use the old uh, grommets as well if you don't like those two dots yeah um so Which you I can don't use the so old. <laughs> no, me neither, actually. So you can use uh, the old grommets. They are fitting 100%. It's the same mold. Yeah. So, uh, it's weird, though, but like, I don't, it doesn't say really exactly what it is here. But, but if you look at the specs now, because they published it, just as I'm talking to you, they published the specs on Tennis Warehouse Europe. Um, like the specs are very good for the 100, for example. It's a 22 millimeter beam, which is like the 6195. It's like a 22 millimeter is kind of my favorite beam with, right? I think it's. It's not thick, it's not thin, it gives some power, but not too flexible, right? So I think a 22 is kind of as as good as it gets, I think. Uh, stiffness, 60. Um, not saying if it's strong or unstrung, I guess it is strong. And then, um, yeah, the specs overall are pretty similar, like 300 grams unstrung and so on. Swing weight, 322. This obviously depends a lot uh, what, if you're lucky or unlucky, kind of, you know? But um, yeah, they look great. Hopefully, I mean, what I I could feel like when I play with them for a short time, uh, like one two hours, I I really like. It looks like you said in the early part of this podcast, it felt more solid, you know. So it's I felt like that kind of flex where you feel that outside the sweet spot you're gonna get a fud ball like a bad shot. And uh, this felt a bit more solid there. You didn't feel like the need to add weight, not to the sixty nineteen I played at least. It felt very nice without being. It wasn't definitely not three thirty swing weight. It was more like three to five, but. A uh, good stick. I think I would like that one. Yeah, you should try the 100 version. It's uh, a really good mix of power, spin, and control, and um, the low flex 60 RA. I think my my uh, frame was 60 RA strung. Um, so um, it's uh, yeah, it's nice. It's a nice combination of everything. You get um, the best of each world of spin, power, and control. So. It's a really successful racket and a little bit of a sleeper because I don't think they talk about it that much. Uh, they don't uh, marketing that version that much, but I think that's the best version of the blade and it suits most players. So yeah, it's a really good frame. Yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah, really, 
really think it will be will be good. We we'll definitely look forward to testing it when when it arrives. Uh, but it's been some delays. I don't know what's going on, but because uh, it's it's one of the biggest launches this year. I would be going out on a limb to say, Blade is one of those rackets you see everywhere. You go on any club, you're gonna see a Blade. You know, it's like probably one of the most common rackets. Like with the arrow, I would say the arrow and the Blade is the most common rackets, even more than the drive and um, speeds and stuff like that. Would you would you agree? Or you think that's like the most common rackets you see is the the arrow and the Blade? Yeah, I would say the blade. If you're looking at the like a tournament of futures or a regular tournament, I would say the blade is the most used racket these days. Um, it feels like uh, everyone is using the blade, um, and um, yeah, it's a very successful and very popular racket. So um, um, they, yeah, I would say it's by far Wilson's most successful frame. For a very long time, uh, not that many use the pro stuff anymore. Um, so yeah, it's really a really good, good frame, and they have done a good job with it from Wilson. Yeah, for sure. And one thing we didn't get into um, was the. I mean, you're a machine guy. I mean, as as am I. I mean, it's nice to have machines where you measure your your specs, and and obviously you have a good stringing machine. You have a biarder, right? So um, uh, and I have a nice head ET three six hundred. 3,600 or something like that. Uh, but you also have a Brifidi now, which is a swing weight machine. Uh, and you've tested it and compared it a bit with the head machine, uh, the 3-in-1 that I have here. And you really like it. Like that. That's what I got from our conversations. Absolutely. I mean, I got a, a, um, a machine from it, from uh, Brifidi to try out. Uh, and I also have the... Um, um, I sold my head 3-in-1 and bought the used uh, Babala RDC machine, but I felt like the swing weight was like way, way, way off. Uh, I had some rackets I was measuring with the calibrated head 3-in-1 that was like 328 or something, and then I tried it in the Babala RDC and it was like 311. And everything was like yeah, very unsolid performance from the swing weight. It was like one was three three eleven, then I measured it again, it was three fourteen, and then it was three nineteen, and then it was three oh four. So something is not correct with that machine. So I got the Brufidi and um, it was spot on uh, when I had calibrated it and it's very easy to calibrate. I will make uh, I, I will try to make a video by myself and that you can publish on Tennis Nerd. Uh, I will try to do it this week. Uh, and that is like a device that everyone could have good use of um, because it's so easy to use. You have an app in your mobile phone and uh, it works. It's it's extremely um, uh, exact. It's um, And the support you get from the owner of Brafidi is like second to none. He's so helpful. He's so um, skillful. He's... Yeah, they are amazing, good. So I will. I, I'm. I mean, for that price that you pay, I think it's about 350 US dollars that you can have like your own swing weight machine, um, and you can take it with you on tournaments, and you also can measure the the balance with a special tool and twist weight and stuff like that. Um, I I must say I totally recommend that machine because. 
it's it's it feels like it's almost more exact than the um, uh, the expensive machines. It's uh, it feels like it's uh, um, a lot of knowledge going into that construction and um, uh, yeah, I, I, you will you guys will see in the video that I will make uh, and um, then you will understand how how it works and stuff like that. So yeah. It's really a good good device that I uh, have to recommend. X. That's great. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, and there are some. I mean, we actually had now for testing here a new swing weight, twist weight, balance, static weight measurement device. They call it. It's called a Metortune from MetorLab. There's a guy I know, a pretty advanced machine. Uh, it's in Nikki's office now, so we're gonna be testing that one. Thank you, Wolfgang, for sending that over for test. Um, yeah, so that's going to be interesting as well. So I think there are more like smaller companies or up and coming startups now because the technology is there that the, you know, this, the big brands can't be too lazy, you know, they, they can't be too expensive or too lazy because there will be other machines, other technology that's coming. And this one looks great, like from, at least on pictures and, uh, you know, so we're going to test that on tomorrow or Friday. So that will be interesting as well. So that's, that's new competitors and that should be swing weight, twist weight, everything, you know, so. That, that's Do you good. know the price of that one, or is it not out on the market yet? It's a very good uh, question. Let's look in the shop. I mean, the machine looks amazing. It looks like a, you know... Uh, Spaceship. It says the price of 3500 so it's definitely quite a lot more than uh, the Brefiti, for sure. But it's a whole different thing. It's like a hard case. It's software. You know, it's everything. So we will see. Uh, we will try it. Maybe it's not that price completely, but um, it does look like three five. So yeah, that's a def definitely... A, a more expensive machine. It's more maybe pro machine. It, it does look amazing. So we will see. Yeah. Then you understand. Uh, but it's always fun to like, try new things. Yeah, but then you understand for like home stringers and uh, just a, a regular player that don't have a shop that want to customize its own racket. Then the graffiti is like the best thing you can invest on. In um, it's uh, a really good price and it's really easy to match your rackets. At least uh, when it comes to swing weight with uh, with this one, so we yeah. just add some weight and see to match the rackets. It's uh, it's great fun, really good device. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I, I actually get some when I do consultations. Uh, some of the customers who are very much into, I mean, depending, no matter what level, like they they're into having matched rackets or knowing what rackets they use. Um, they they actually have the graffiti because it's it's as expensive or as cheap the way you look at it it's like as, as much as a racket so to if you're a person that really take care of your you know gear and you want to know exactly your swing weight and stuff it makes sense to invest in it because it's not that much if it becomes like you know the head machine or or maybe this machine as a more for a pro shop it's a different thing you know you're doing it to serve clients but even for yourself you can afford the graffiti so that's that's a nice one you know that it's like it's also portable so you don't need like a a huge suitcase for it right no, it's um, you can have it in your tennis bag. The only thing you have to think about is that you have to fill it up with some kind of lead or something because it comes, uh, it's very light. So if you don't have any weight in it, uh, and it has to be lead, it cannot be sand or something like that because it needs to be some more mass. Uh, so that is something you have to think about. A good advice is to ask um, a wheel shop if they have the lead weights for tires and fill it up with that uh, good and cheap way. Otherwise, lead is pretty expensive. Yeah, I agree. 
Uh, I have uh, one more thing about shoes. Did you try the Wilson Rush Pro? Yeah, I have it. I think we have talked about those shoes at least one or two times in the past. Okay, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no worries, but uh, they are also good shoes. Um, a little bit, um, I think it's a better shoe for players that are maybe up to 85, 90 kilos. For me, it's a little bit... Um, to little stability uh, it's not bad it works but um it's um uh, i think it's better for normally built players uh, pretty good cushioning uh, really good design uh, it looks really good it fits very good on my foot as well uh, but i think it's better for players that are sub 100 kilos that i mean that is everyone except for me pretty much so <laughs> Yeah, it's a good shoe as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I could see what you mean. Uh, one shoe, I'm not sure we did talk about, the, the Roger On. Did you try that one, Roger On Pro? No, unfortunately not. I've heard that people say that it's a very comfortable shoe, but it worns out pretty, worns out pretty fast. Yeah, that that's our feeling as well. Like, I got it from Daniel. He had not used it that much, I think a month. And it was already, like, the, the dampening and cushioning was kind of gone, right? So, um. It, it's for wide feet as well. Like I have more narrow feet, so it's not really quite for me. But if you have wide feet, it, it can work. But I think you have to be prepared to maybe switch them out in a bit. You know, they don't seem to last that long. There's something with the foam, rubber, whatever, you know. So uh, there are players who love these shoes and swear by them. But that's been like my the feedback I got from Nikki and from Daniel is that like it's it's a shoe that's comfortable in the beginning, but then quickly loses its its touch a bit you know yeah and it's not the most cheap shoe either so um yeah they have to work a bit on the durability but i have never tried it i have never i think i've only seen it one time live so i cannot comment that's just what i've been hearing about it so i cannot comment on my own experience yeah of course yeah, yeah. it looks uh, we'll, we'll... very nice design and it, it looks good yeah, I think so. I think it's uh, when when Federer is involved in something, it tends to look good. But then it's like obviously it has to be playability, and I think people now um, with the financial situation in the world and blah blah, people like being a bit more careful with money. They don't want to have a tennis shoe that they have to replace quickly. So you know, it's like durability is quite important, I guess. So uh, same what we noticed with the balls. Like I've noticed, like you play once with balls, and it's like a complete goner now. Um, what balls are you using at the, the Davis Cup now? Uh, they have the white tube from RS. Um, Good balls. Four edition. And actually here in Sweden now, you remember the, the greenish uh, tube that we were trying not to practice, yep. but the pro ball. The pro ball. Uh, that's, yeah, that's the new go-to ball in Swedish tournaments. Um, and the, the durability is uh, it's much better. They last much longer compared to the white tube. Uh, I like the white tube the most. They have the best feeling of of them all but the greenish pro version lasts a bit longer actually without sacrificing that much in uh, comfort or um, playability so it's a good update yeah but we have the, the, the rs tour uh, white tube here yeah okay yeah that's one of my favorite bolts the white it's, it's very very good Nice. Um, so what, what else do you have expect in terms of testing for the remainder of the year? Do you have anything like exciting you look forward to um, where it's like, what would be like a dream 
pure drive would that be something if they i don't know if they're releasing one this year i assume they would at the end of the year but i don't know but would that be a racket you'd be like you know this i'm really looking forward to or do you have anything else yeah i mean i've not heard that much about the pure drive of course every every pure drive that comes out is really um nice to uh, to test and play and i always play very good with pure drive but i get problems with my elbow um each and every time so um it's like a toxic re- toxic uh, relationship um i wish they could make the pure drives a bit softer in the flex um i mean if the blade 100 has a 60 flex and it still feels crisp i feel like bubble must be able to do something similar uh, and they have done it with the, the pure arrow it's like 64 flex and it still feels crisp so i hope they do something similar with the pure drive because they need to lower the uh, the flex in that one uh, at least what i feel and um, so yeah 100% agree i think it's it's clear that in in the arrow those flex fibers that they added made a huge difference i think the most of all the lines so far and that was my favorite arrow since the probably the first arrow uh, and I hope the same goes for the pure drive because I really like the older pure drives, but then I haven't really been in love with any of the l- more recent pure drives. Uh, I think 2000, 2012 was the one I liked, was the last one I really liked. And then now the last since 2015, not so excited about them anymore. You know? No, they need to um, they need to make them a bit softer, more uh, comfortable, more uh, thinking more about the, the elbows because the players using the pure drives they are maybe a bit older with a um, bit more sensitive um, elbows and joints and they they need to do something to uh, i mean there are some good options now that are softer and more muted um uh, so they need to do something i think and i hope they do uh, we'll see when when it's released um, if we get a chance to try it out and see what our experience is hopefully we can try it a bit longer this time so uh, um, we can give it like a long-term review Uh, everything feels good the first couple of times so it would be nice to try it a bit longer as well i agree that's very important yeah so that's some something to look forward to how is uh, your schedule now for the last uh, few days i mean you have the matches start on friday right so it's preparation until then yeah, it's preparation and it's practice a couple of times each day. I think we have like three court sessions. Um, so there is not that much stringing on uh, what day is it today? Tomorrow it's Thursday, right? Yep. Yeah, so Thursday is not that much stringy jobs. The Friday, then we start the games at the 7 p.m., uh, 5 p.m. And um, there is a lot to string and then on saturday there is both doubles and singles so it will be also pretty much to string and hopefully we will um hopefully we will get the win brazil they are a really good team so um yeah but it, it's uh, it's nice just to be here and not that much work but uh, still i mean you're not just stringing rackets you're around the team helping out picking up balls or whatever uh, feeding balls so it's really nice just to be here. Yeah, for a tennis nerd and a tennis um, guy, it must be very, very nice. Uh, let's hope that it gets a good turnout in terms of crowd. Um, that's the thing. Like tennis in Sweden is not always the easiest sell. 
but there's not that much else to do in February in Sweden. So I hope people show up and support the the national team playing. And we have some yeah, really the, stands the sat- There are some tickets available still on the Friday, but the Saturday is actually sold out completely. It's um, and no tickets available anymore. So uh, that's uh, really uh, really good, uh, and it will be a good. Uh, a good atmosphere in that arena. It's a pretty small arena, so it's it's really it's going to be really nice. It's always fun to play uh, in front of your home crowd. That's Davis Cup for you. Like it should be either at home or away, and you should feel that it's at home or away. So hopefully you have a good backing in the in the from the crowd, or the crowd is really annoying and you have to fight like from <laughs> from really feeling uncomfortable, which is part of Davis Cup, I guess. Right? Cool, so, man. All right. I enjoyed um, talking to you as always. Uh, I know you have a packed schedule these days uh, and we keep in touch with the gear. A lot of, I mean, I have tests coming in this week more, so it's going to be fun. Uh, tennis never sleeps, never stops. And uh, I, I look forward to it. And I really wish you all the best with you and the team in uh, Helsingborg against Brazil. And good luck Thank to the Brazilian team as well. Thank you. Have a nice evening.